Welcome to The Marcus Warren Show, powered by 960 Digital and the Wealth Empowerment Network. Now, here is your host, Marcus Warren. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the number one retirement and tax planning show in the region, The Marcus Warren Show. I am your host, financial advisor, tax and road agent, and author of the Retirement and Tax Playbooks, and I hope everyone is doing well this Sunday. And right in front of me, I am joined by our resident tax professional, D. How you doing, D? Hello and happy Sunday. And remember that if you missed any parts of the show and you want to catch up on anything you missed, all you have to do is subscribe to the Marcus Warren Show podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Also, throughout the show, we will be offering our retirement rescue game plan. What is that, you may ask? That is a physical packet of information that will help rescue your retirement from all the risks that threatens your nest egg once you are close and in retirement. Now, in that game plan, you'll get a copy of my two books, a few different financial reports, and access to my webinar entitled Taxes in Retirement. Now, you may be asking, how do I get that? Well, you can get that by simply going to warrenwealth.net. That's warrenwealth.net. Go to the site, put in your information, and that retirement rescue game plan will be, de- will be delivered free of charge to your front door. Once again, that is warrenwealth.net. That is warrenwealth.net. Now, on to the show. So, here we are. And um, I think it's supposed to be spring, but uh, Jack Frost is continuing to uh, nip at our noses. And it's, uh, it's been pretty chilly. I think the first day of spring was uh, on the 20th, and uh, here we are uh, about a week out. And um, uh, it's still chilly around here, and I'm not, a, I'm not a big fan of the cold, especially when we're creeping into April. Yeah, everybody's ready for spring. I know I'm ready for spring, and you know, I know what everyone else is ready for. They're ready for Money Matters. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Money, money, money. <laughs> All right, so, you know, we um, talk about a few things here on the show and when we're uh, speaking to clients and in our workshops. And one of the things we talk about is something that I write about in my book called the Everest Effect. And the Everest Effect basically is I compare retirement planning to mountain climbing. Uh, And as you go up the mountain, you're in the accumulation phase. You're putting money in your... uh, nest egg, just trying to build it up. And I always say that it's a different skill set when we're dealing with um, the way advisors deal with that accumulation phase versus when you make that transition and you go from working to retirement. And now you start to scale down that mountain. And that is, I call it the uh, distribution phase, but you can also call it the decumulation phase, right? Mm -hmm. That's, That's a word, right? Yes. Decumulation. Yeah, I hope it is. Anyway, and, um, you know, and it's just really a different skill set as far as um, how you approach going up the mountain while you're trying to build that nest egg versus when you're going down that mountain. Now, according to um, psychologist or psychiatrist, whatever you want to say, I guess one can prescribe medications, the other ones cannot, but it's all what is in between those two ears. But retirement seems to be one of the top 10 most stressful life events for folks, right? Based on what the uh, psychiatrist, psychiatrist and psychologist say. And really, I think that financial advisors, that they could be doing a lot more to make retirement less stressful for their clients. But what would that look like? 
Well, let me let me explain a little bit. So that would basically mean switching from that typical myopic focus on uh, investment performance and accumulating assets to what's called comprehensive retirement planning. We're basically transitioning from going up the mountain to going down the mountain. Now, preparing for retirement, it doesn't it doesn't just lend itself to you know spreadsheets and uh, charts and graphs and PowerPoint presentations. You know, when are you going to retire? Uh, what are you going to do when you retire? Where are you going to live when you retire? Um, how are you going to live? That's the serious stuff that a lot of retire a lot of retirees want to know. And so, preparing for retirement, you know, it's also for things like uh, knowing about strategies for income, withdrawing money wisely, withdrawing money tax efficiently, like I was talking about decumulation. Um, and then, of course, the uh, other stuff that uh, psychologists talk about, which is, you know, finding meaning and purpose. Um, uh, then there's also just, you know, exploring, are you going to work part-time? Are you going to uh, try to be a, a, an entrepreneur and, and, and have a side hustle? Um, do you understand the ins and outs of Social Security and Medicare? Uh, what about caregiving responsibility? So there are a lot of things uh, that happen on the way down that mountain. Now, most advisors, they have a narrow view of retirement planning, right? The financial services industry has been basically all money maniacal. That's all they worry about, right? Building up that asset, building up your assets into uh, their accounts, right? And I think that many financial advisors are doing really about a quarter of their job being so focused just on uh, the money. Uh, if we send people off into retirement with this big giant binder, like I said, full of charts and graphs and numbers, that doesn't help them replace a lot of the other things and other questions that they may have. So good retirement planning, it's really much more about, uh, it's much more than money. Uh, good advisors, I think, should consider three factors so they can bring clarity to what it means for their clients to retire. Of course, you got the identity and purpose, what are you going to be doing, connection and, then connection and uh, just aging in general. And then, of course, trying to build uh, a legacy. Uh, and it's really how you design uh, that retirement uh, and your life as you approach retirement, of course, as well as the, uh, the financial components. But most advisors, most investment advisors, they tend to manage money for total return and just growing that nest egg, right? But good advisors, they need to spend just as much time helping people have better retirements, which may mean uh, coming up with an income plan so uh, that retiree can spend down their, their nest egg. Now, what you may find out is that most advisors uh, discourage uh, a lot of uh, spending because uh, they're concerned about what's called assets under management, right? Because if you're pulling money out, their assets under management starts to go down, right? And they get paid based on your nest egg and how big it is. And their income, the advisor's income goes down when you actually start uh, to spend it. And that's why I say that it's a different skill set when you're accumulating your asset uh, versus when you are distributing uh, your, your retirement assets. And I think it's a different skill set when you're uh, talking about advisors who have helped you up that mountain 
you may need uh, what I would call a different Sherpa to guide you down that mountain. Now, there are there are a lot of big gaps between uh, what uh, pre-retirees and retirees want uh, from financial advisors versus what they're getting. Uh, what are those gaps? Those gaps include insights about um, working in retirement, uh, what to spend on housing, like I just said, withdrawing money from your financial accounts. Uh, and really the top uh, advice gap for retirees was basically receiving recommendations on how to efficiently withdraw income across their multiple retirement accounts, IRAs, 401ks, things of that nature. How can they do that efficiently uh, from a tax perspective and then from a perspective of not running out of money? And once again, one reason, what one of the main reasons that advisors don't offer decumulation advice is because the larger the amount of clients' assets they manage, the more that they actually earn. So there's, you know, really a perceived, um, what I want to say, disincentive uh, to, ad- to advise you on pulling out your own money, right? Because the, 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 there, there's an inherent conflict of interest for, you know, a lot of advisors when you have that big nest egg and now you want to start spending that, uh, that nest egg down. Um, and really, look, if an advisor is worried about having uh, you take money out because it's less money uh, for them to manage, uh, then that's an advisor that you shouldn't be associated with anyway. All right. So, you know, there are some financial advisors, by the way, who are beginning to help people re- prepare for retirement beyond just building up their investment portfolios. Right. So I've said that uh, it's a different skill set and that uh, distribution phase or decumulation phase or preservation phase is a lot different. And it is a whole different skill set. You know, when you start to go down that proverbial um, retirement mountain, there are a lot of pitfalls and you need to work with an advisor with uh, expertise in uh, Social Security, uh, Medicare, um, uh, taxes um, and what I call the. uh, the seven life priorities for retirees, family, uh, work, health, uh, home, uh, giving, uh, leisure, and then, of course, finances. And so, you know, I really think that, you know, pre-retirees and retirees, that they really need to work with um, good financial advisors who have expanded their scope of retirement planning Beyond just accumulating assets, that's the bottom line. You know, really good, comprehensive, uh, holistic advisors. Um, a lot of them have have changed their 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 value statements um, and their value propositions. Um, because back in the day, uh, when uh, back in the day, I'm talking, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s, advisors used to have all the information to be able to hoard the information, that financial information, and be able to charge on that. And now that uh, with the internet, uh, the Google machines, things of that nature, um, that information is out there for everyone to, to, to look at. And so that value, value proposition for advisors should have switched or should be switching from purely financial to 50% financial. And then 50%, let me help you with the things that happen in retirement, right? And then, of course, the uh, psychology aspect of it, because uh, a lot of that stuff is nerve wracking. Um, uh, especially once you're uh, in that decumulation phase. And um, advisors who don't understand that they need to help clients prepare for retirement by addressing 
uh, the retirees' core values, they are going to be the ones to, to pay the price. And so, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, we look to do uh, here uh, at Warren Wealth uh, Management. You know, we uh, do consider ourselves, you know, a good fiduciary, holistic, comprehensive advisor uh, that doesn't just focus on uh, the investments and, and the accumulation phase. But we really specialize in uh, that distribution phase when you're going down that mountain and all the pitfalls and all the issues that can happen uh, once you uh, transition from working to retirement. And that is really what matters. Um, you know, how are you going to handle a lot of those things that you didn't experience while you were working? Because it's a whole new ball game when you start to go down that retirement mountain. So there you go. All right, coming up next, we're going to uh, jump into D's Tax Corner. You're listening to The Marcus Warren Show. All right. So we have, uh, this is Mariah Carey singing. So this song is We Belong Together. Mm-hmm. Came out in 2005. Number one in the U.S., number two in the U.K. Oh, yeah. Right, Carrie has a bunch of number ones. So she does. Yeah. So queen of Christmas, too. Yes, she is. The snow queen of Christmas. There you go. <laughs> All right, welcome back to the show. The Marcus Warren Show. Remember that you can request your retirement rescue game plan. All you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net and you will get a game plan that will help rescue your retirement from all the risks that threatens your nest egg. And we're talking about market risk, inflation risk, and most importantly, tax rate risk. You gots to protect your hard-earned money from the IRS. Once again, all you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net. Now, um... We're going to talk taxes and get into some D's tax corner. Or woman. All right. So for this week's tax corner, I want to talk about something that gets brought up every once in a while, usually with new presidential administrations. So in 1985, all the way all the way back to 1985 president ronald reagan promised a return free tax system in which basically half of all americans would never have to fill out a tax return again never have to deal with the headache of tax season mm. under the framework taxpayers with simple returns would automatically receive a refund or a letter detailing any tax owed. Taxpayers with some more complicated returns would have to use the system that was in place and is still in place today. And then we go to 2006. President Barack Obama's chief economist premiered the simple return where taxpayers would receive already completed tax forms for their review or correction. He estimated this would save taxpayers more than $2 billion a year in tax preparation fees. And then we've got, as recently as 2017, if we remember President Donald Trump touted using the simple process of filing your taxes on a tiny postcard. But none of these concepts came into fruition. So why is our tax filing system so complicated? 
95% of Americans receive more than 30 types of information returns that let the government know their exact income, those W-2 forms, those 1099 forms. Mm -hmm. They give the government everything it needs to know about taxpayers' returns. About one half of American taxpayers earn all their income from one employer's wages, which the IRS can see, interest from one bank, which the IRS also knows about, the IRS could easily send tens of millions of individuals their nearly completed taxes by mail or by text. Yeah. Eight countries, including Finland and Norway, fully prepare returns for the majority of their taxpayers. In Estonia, it famously takes the average person five minutes to file taxes. In Sweden, the vast majority of taxpayers don't do battle with tax documents and fine print questions about itemized deductions. They just get a, a document from the government with all the relevant information already filled out. Japan, Great Britain, Denmark, Spain, people don't have to file taxes. They just double-check forms that are already completed by the government. Even uh, the state of California recently experimented with a version called Ready Return, but it was shut down, dun-dun-dun, under pressure from, guess who, H&R Block and Intuit. Yeah, so the lobbies are out there um, basically saying, no, no, that, that uh, we don't want um, uh, the government to, to do the tax returns. Let us... Do those tax returns. Um, In 2016 alone, uh, Intuit, which is the makers of TurboTax, spent $2 million on lobbying. H&R Block spent $3 million on lobbying, some of it on the same efforts. And over the last decade, these lobby uh, groups have spent $24 million making sure that our tax system doesn't uncomplicate itself. Well, you know, it, it's, I mean, it, when, when things are complicated, um, you know, it, it's good for, one, people to find loopholes, two, for, uh, you know, those, uh, you know, businesses to uh, say and talk about how mm -hmm. complex it is and H&R Blocks, things of that nature, how complex it is, and then say, hey, but uh, we know uh, the complex, the complexities of your simple return, and so we can do it. And right. so, you know, that I can see why they would say, wait a minute now, um, you know, we want to continue to uh, do the return so we can continue to, to get revenue. Mm -hmm. um, on the flip side, you know, I think that, um, you know, just in general with, uh, you know, people, you know, people out there have, um, you know, a certain level of, of, you know, distrust for politicians, for the system, um, you know, from go all the way back to, um you know, the, the conspiracies of, you know, the Fed or, I mean, I mean, there's so many, you know, JFK assassination, um, uh, you have Watergate, all the stuff, all the corrupt stuff that you see happening in, in politics mm -hmm. and to really say, okay, well, let me have uh, the government send, just tell me what I owe or tell me what I'm going to get back. Um, I think that people would always still take it to someone whether it's a R block or whomever or their CPA to review it and they would still be charged because they wouldn't trust. Yeah. What so wouldn't do away there. with those, with those tax preparations. Cause that's all you would charge for now. Mm -hmm. I mean, they would, they would probably just switch to, we will review your government filed return yeah. for you yes, for a fee. Accurate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and I can see the argument that, um, you know, H&R Block and have made that the government doesn't always know all of your deductions, you know, people who might, Char charitable contributions, medical mm -hmm. expenses, those are itemized deductions that aren't really reported to the government. And so in those instances, the government completing your tax return might be incorrect. Well, well, well and then, of course, um, they don't, 
I don't know. I mean, I, I can see why um, it hasn't. They've tried. It's failed in certain uh, states, you said California and things mm-hmm. of that nature, simply because there's, there's issues with um, dependence. Yes. I mean, are, you know, do they know how old your dependents are? Yes. If there's a, I know they probably do. If there's a a, um, a divorce and who claims the kids one year versus the next year, right? Um, you know, there's just like you said, charity, medical. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when when they bring back um, uh, the miscellaneous deductions mm-hmm. as far as you can write off uniforms, and then you're still going to, you might get an informational return, half of it done for you, but. You're still going to have to go on to TurboTax or go to your CPA or H&R Block at least to finish the rest of it up, which, yeah, you know, I think. And I think this goes into an even bigger argument of um, most Americans not understanding how taxes work either. Um, and, and that lack of education and that lack of knowledge um, simply because, like you're saying, even if th- this we did suddenly change our system and this did suddenly happen where the IRS is sending everybody forms saying, hey, sign off if you agree with this. Like you're saying, I think most people would be like, no, I got to get somebody who understands this to check it out because I don't, I don't know if this is right or not. And it could be, could be right, but you just don't know because the tax system in and of itself is so confusing sometimes and people might not understand. And then you have voices coming in from everywhere, people on TV, your friends, your family, colleagues saying, this is what I did. This is what I got. This is what happened in my situation. And people might be like, well, wait a minute. They said this. This so-and-so said I can do this, but this government form is, is saying that I have to pay money back. So I get a, you know, what's going on here? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think that's the, uh, that's the biggest issue. I mean, I know that, um, you know, they, they know anyway, because when you get your W-2 from your employer, they report, they've already reported that to the IRS. When you get your 1099 from any kind of financial institution, whether that's uh, a bank, uh, um, uh, someone, someplace on Wall Street, uh, an investment firm, Fidelity, um, Social Security, you get a 1099 uh, SSA or whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's already, it is already reported to the government. That's why when people have tried to usurp and be slick um, and not add a form uh, to their return or keep out a W-2, you generally get a letter um, about a year later, Yeah. <laughs> sometimes two years later, that says, wait a minute, you left off this W-2 and you said you only had $20,000 of income and you really had $80,000 of income. Now you're going to owe us penalties and interest. So the government, you're right, the government already does know um, what's coming in, um, actually what you've bought and sold as far as stocks because it's a 1099B that you'll get. Um, and so they do know, um, and you a know, lot what, of information. a lot mm-hmm. of it and what people have uh, proposed, it, it, it does kind of make sense, but at the same time with, um, you know, the, uh, the 10,000 or 70,000 pages in the tax code, it leaves for a lot of loopholes, a lot of things you can deduct, um, a lot of information that the government does ha- doesn't have property tax. I guess they could get it, but then what are we talking about? Bigger government, and we know people don't like bigger government. That's why yeah. it will be a fight. I don't even know if it's a fight, but it will be a discussion that will always be out there. However, I just don't see it. It really is. Even even you know, if you think about hey, simple return W two, and I have two dependents to claim. Getting trying to get the earned income tax credit or the child tax credit requires like four different forms for each credit. It just, it's so complicated yeah. and it, it, and it, 
somebody trying to, well, nobody I don't think would try to fill it out on their own. A lot of software, you know, hopefully nobody's filling paper forms out anymore, but because a lot of the software um, makes that less complicated. Yeah. But it it is, our tax system is so complicated. And and between that and of course, like you said, the lobbyist, the mistrust in in government in general, um, public trust is, is low. I just saw a statistic that says only about one quarter of Americans say they can trust uh, Washington to do what's right. Right. Um, mm. And I'm surprised it's that high, honestly. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I don't I don't see, you know, we'd have to completely overhaul the tax system. Right. And and, and, and when you think about it, you, you, you talked about the, the, the lobbyist and uh, the lobbies. And, um, you know, when when anyone talks about it's not even just them, when when anyone talks about tax simplification, what that basically means is closing up a lot of those loopholes that favor the rich. And we know that, you know, when you're talking about um, closing loopholes, is that's when you're going to get a lot of pushback because there's a lot of tax savings and, um, you know, tax, what is it, tax um, minimization uh, techniques uh, or avoidance techniques that can be implemented u- utilizing the tax code. That's why that simplification or the government doing it themselves, I don't think uh, – I don't think we'll see it, but, uh, you know, but here's, a, here's an interesting parallel. So we've got complicated tax code um, that's utilized by uh, one or so percent of the people who uh, wealthy, the business, the big business owners, corporations, big corporations. Yep. and then we have just, you know, what we saw last couple of years with Wall Street meme stocks shorting, st- you know, st- shorting stocks, um, stuff that people have never heard of before. Um Utilized all the time by these big hedge funds. Um, I, I just think that's an interesting parallel because they're both very huge, complex entities that impact the top one or so percent of people uh-huh. and um, keep, keeps everything complicated to prevent everybody else from utilizing some of those same techniques. Yeah, I mean, well, the, their argument would be, oh, you can utilize them. You just have to know where where to find it. You know, I mean, it, it's right there in the tax code, but, you know, they're the ones who have the the resources and the lear- and the lawyers to, um, you know, to, to dive into it and figure out all of the nooks and crannies and the green lights that we call them that are in the tax code. But uh, I, don't, I think that's why we won't ever have tax simplification. So there you go. Thank you, D, for that... Uh, Tax corner. Or woman. Coming up next, we're going to dive into some hot topics. You're listening to the Marcus Warren Show. All right, so we have uh, more Mariah Carey. Go. Can't go wrong with Mariah. I guess not. <laughs> and this song is uh, is fantasy. Uh, this song came out in 1995. Number one, of course, in the U.S. Number four in the U.K. Good stuff. So I will assume that we're playing this because. It it's is her birthday. It's her birthday, and she's uh, 50? 53. 53? Mm-hmm. There you go. Well, happy birthday, Miss Mariah Carey. 
And welcome back to this show. This is the Marcus Warren Show. Remember that you can request your retirement rescue game plan by going to warrenwealth.net. What is the retirement rescue game plan? Well, that's a physical packet of information that will help rescue your retirement from all the risk that threatens your nest egg once you are close and in retirement. In that game plan, you get a copy of my two books, you get a few different financial reports, and you get access to my webinar entitled Taxes in Retirement. And you can get that and order that by going to warrenwealth.net. That is warrenwealth.net. All right, let's get into a few uh, hot topics out there. All right, so um, according to uh, MarketWatch, a growing number of people have no intention of ever retiring. In fact, um, uh, so far this year, nearly one in five Americans between the ages of 70 and 74 are still in the workforce. Now, um, so what can you do to plan for retirement if you don't plan to retire? Um, and really, there's, there's a, a few different uh, things and a few different benefits for, for working longer if that's what you choose to do. Um, uh, one benefit is you may be able to avoid required minimum distribution. So the IRS rules, uh, it does allow some people who are still working to delay their required minimum distributions, which starts at age 72. Um, you have to be working for the company where you have that 401k plan, and uh, then you can delay it. However, the still at work exception does not apply if you have money in an IRA or any other prior uh, 401k plan. So what does that mean? That means this. Most people these days, they work for multiple companies. Um, and so if you are 70 uh, plus, 72, 74, 75, 80 years old, and you're still working, my assumption is it's probably not the same job you had when you were 35, 55, or even 60, perhaps. But but you may have had a 401k at that prior job. So if you're still working and you're not with that prior employer, you will have a required minimum di- distribution from that employer. And if you have an outside IRA, you will have a required minimum distribution from that IRA. However, if you are currently working and you in your current position and you have a 401k, that is where you can that is where you will not have that RMD. So uh, might be a benefit, but if you have any other accounts or retirement accounts outside of that, then sorry, Charlie, you have to take that money because the government wants it. Um, uh, Another good thing, hey, though, you may be able, well, you will, or you should be able to make Roth IRA contributions. Why? Because as so long as you have earned income and you don't make over certain thresholds, then you can contribute to uh, a Roth IRA um, so There's always an exception to the exception with the IRS. <laughs> yes, yes, oh, especially especially in regards to the Roth, because the Roth is a good thing, tax free income, tax free growth. But uh, of course, there's limits. You only can contribute seven thousand dollars if you're over fifty years old now. So, say la vie. Um, what else? Oh, you can take your Social Security benefits without having to pay that penalty. What do I mean by that? Now, we're talking about people who are working past their full retirement age. And most full retirement age people 
Um, uh, what is it, 66, 67 now. And so we're talking about people working into their 70s. And so um, you should and you are able to take your Social Security without having to pay that penalty for working why you're taking Social Security uh, when you do if you take it early, if you take it before full retirement age. So what does that mean? That means more money in your pocket, right? However, your Social Security may be taxable. Up to how much? 85% of it. 85% of it could be taxable depending on how much income you're bringing in, specifically provisional income. And then last but not least is uh, since you're working longer, uh, you'll be able to recalculate how much you'll actually need once you officially retire. Because generally retirement projections for the most part are based on age 65. Uh, people do go out to 67, 68, um, meaning that uh, you know if we project a long retirement of about 25, 30 years, but if you're still working well into your 70s or 80s, then you're not going to need as much retirement income as you would if uh, you retired earlier. So uh, I guess that's a, a good thing, especially if you enjoy your job and you're not working because you have to, right? So there you go. All right, let's get into the next uh, hot topic here. All right, so um, let's talk about inflation. Uh, let's talk about buying power. So um, a couple of years ago, U.S. News and World Report, um, they said that an inflation rate of 2%, just 2%, because that was the historical average, 2%, or that's what it had been averaging for the last 10 years. 2% could reduce the buying power of your nest egg over the course of a 20-year retirement by about $85,000. Right now, inflation is about 7.5%. Now, I don't expect it to stay that way forever. Um, I do uh, expect it to, uh, I do expect high inflation um, for uh, at least uh, at least this year. Um, so let's talk about what inflation is. Inflation is basically the increasing cost of goods and services. Um, and what can push inflation up? Well, right now we got supply chain issues. You know, high demand uh, pushes prices up. And it's something that most uh, retirees really don't think about, but it really does have a significant inf- significant influence on your financial lives. Um, not only does it affect, just like I said, uh, the price of consumer goods, but it also starts to erode your purchasing power, depending on what you're invested in. If your investments are not keeping up with inflation, then you can find your dollar bill worth less, right? And so what does that mean? That means this, that whatever your dollar, let's do this. Let's talk about the cost of a stamp. Cost of a stamp, um, you know, 10, 15 years ago, uh, was right around 37 cents. Now, a cost of a stamp, I don't even know, but I know it's well over 50 cents. I think it's 55 cents, if I'm, if I'm correct. I can get fact-checked on that. But the bottom line is that is inflation. A lot of people say, you know what? It costs me more now to buy my last car than I did my first house, Marcus. And I'm like, yep, that is inflation. And so your dollar bill is just worth less. And so um, what are some things you can do to reduce uh, inflation. How much is that stamp? It's 58 cents. 58. Yes, oh, it went 57. up due to the cost of inflation. Oh, it did. It used to be 53 before January 2022. Oh, really? Yes. So there you go. Wow, 58 cents. Inflation. You know. Getting us everywhere. Not bad. I mean, you know, I mean, really when you think of the cost of a stamp, it costs 58 cents for me to mail something from here to 
uh, Seattle, Washington, which is miles away. Not too bad. Not too bad. You know, I've relatively tried. speaking, you're well, right. Whatever. So, what can you do to curb the uh, curb inflation or or, or the um, uh, minimize inflation as far as uh, um, your investment portfolio is concerned? Well. You have to really try to have investments that will at least keep up with inflation. Um, you know, those are with with, with um, savings accounts basically zero these days. High inflation and low interest rates have really forced people who would, who would normally be savers to take on more risk than they have to in, in the stock market. Um, I know a lot of people have uh, turned to, I guess, um, you know, some uh, low cost or zero cost uh, fixed indexed annuities that can serve as a fixed income or a bond replacement. Um, you know, and that has, has worked out well for, for some, but it's interesting because, um, just like I said, with, with inflation high and interest rates basically, um, at zero, um, it really has turned the more risk averse investor. Uh, it has turned them towards the market and that's been the only game in town. And so far this year, with the market volatility, you know, it's been a wild ride for people who uh, are in the market, and we really don't know uh, what's going to happen moving forward because there's so much uncertainty uh, in uh, the market. And so, um, you know, it leaves uh, retirees with, you know, a lot of questions that, that they need to ask in regards to, you know, what's the best route to take with their money. You know, and we try to provide those those the answers to those questions because there are some things out there that can still get you a decent rate of return uh, while still keeping your money fairly safe. Um, and of course, you know, you can always schedule that meeting at by going to warrenwealth.net. Quick 15 minute phone call. We find out where you are, where you want to be, and then we try to develop a plan to get you there. So there you go. All right. Coming up next, we're going to dive into some news you can use and news you can't use. You're listening to The Marcus Warren Show. All right. Mariah Carey Day here. Yes, it is. It's her birthday today. She's 53? 53 years young. There you go. So this is a heartbreaker. Came out in 1999, right? And it was number one, of course, in the yeah. U.S. Number five in the U.K. Were all her songs number one? Uh, mostly all of them. She's a, she's a big thing around around these parts. If you don't know. Oh yeah. Anyway, um, not bad at all. What's she doing these days? Living off of her mailbox just money. Getting those royalties from exactly. from the Christmas song. I know, just from the Christmas song alone. Pretty much. Much yeah. less all the other <laughs> stuff. Anyway, welcome back to the show, the Marcus Warren Show. And you know what time it is. It is time for us to get into some of the news you can use. All right. More than half of American households paid no federal income tax last year due to impact, uh, 
COVID relief funds, tax credits, and stimulus. This is according to a report by the Tax Policy Center. They estimate that 57% of U.S. households paid no federal income tax. This is up. 57%? 57%. More than half. This is more than okay. half. Yeah, this is up from the about 44% of households who didn't pay pre-pandemic. A senior fellow at the Tax Policy Center said... Uh, up, up from how much? 44%. Oh, 44%. About 44% of households, yep. Okay. Uh the uh, they said that the, uh, part of the reason for this COVID-related job losses, decline in income, and of course stimulus stimulus checks, tax credits were largely responsible for the increase. We had the stimulus checks, we had the expanded child tax credit, and it significantly reduced the tax liability for more than a hundred million households, and temporarily turned many from payers to non-payers or didn't non required to pay yeah i I think that's a big um um misnomer amongst americans thinking that you know everybody pays Mm -hmm. pays taxes when really um only about you know what is it uh 55 percent you know of of, of americans pay taxes it reminds me of mitt romney when he was running for for president back in 2012 and um he was at one of his fundraisers and uh he said that he wasn't worried about uh the 40 you know, some odd percent, 45, 47, some odd percent of people who don't pay taxes. He just gonna, he's just going to focus on, he's just worried about the people who pay taxes. And of course, somebody had a camera phone, recorded him, uh, put it out, it went viral, and his campaign went down from there because people were upset that he was saying he's not worried about really half of Americans for, you know, for yeah. the most part. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the irony of it is um, he is right as far as the percentage of Americans who don't pay uh, wow. any income tax and... Um, you know, it's just uh, interesting how you just said what fifty seven percent paid, or fifty seven percent didn't pay mm-hmm. uh, twenty twenty one up from forty four percent. But uh, there's a large constituent out there that yeah. don't pay any income tax, and it's funny because fifty seven percent of people in twenty twenty one paid no income tax. A hundred percent of people complains about. Income tax. Yes, high taxes. Interesting, and high taxes. Interesting. (laughs) That's right. Anyway, what else? (laughs) All right. Uh, Amazon, don't know if you've heard of them. They just closed a $6.5 billion acquisition of MGM movie and television studio last week, even though the Federal Trade Commission still continues to examine the deal, I guess. The move comes after Amazon uh, certified to the FTC that it had provided all the information requests by the antitrust investigators reviewing the transaction. Um, They provided them with more than 3 million documents over the past eight months as part of the review process. The FTC chairman, Lena Khan, has long been a vocal critic of Amazon, even um, back in her college days, which wasn't too long ago. The deal marks Amazon's second largest acquisition in its history, following, of course, the purchase of Whole Foods for $13.7 billion. So MGM will become part of Amazon's Prime Video and Studios unit and will be overseen by Senior Vice President Mike Hopkins. Um, they aren't planning any layoffs at the studio. They said they're going to add... At this time, probably. At this time, correct. <laughs> um, and they said they're going to add 4,000 films to its holdings, including the iconic James Bond franchise. MGM also apparently has a library of 17,000 episodes of television content. Yeah, so, you know, it's the it's the streaming wars, and, oh, yeah. you know, Amazon is, um, you know, jumping into that along with, you know, of course, Netflix and Disney and Apple Plus and, uh, what did I say, Netflix already, Hulu. and Hulu, yes, mm-hmm. and so, 
Um, you know, it's just uh, it's going to be interesting to see how all this plays out. Amazon also made made a, a big purchase uh, or a deal. Um, you know, they they have the NFL, they have Thursday night football right. going into this next football season, yeah. so they are. It's another billion dollar. That was another billion dollar purchase. They are jumping into things. Yeah. There you go. Continuing right. their takeover of the world. Yes. What else? The uh, era of ultra low mortgage rates is over. The yep. average rate for a 30 year fixed uh, mortgage topped 4% for the first time since May 2019. Um, at the beginning of this year, the average rate was about 3.2%. It hit a, a record low of 2.65% in January of last year and spent more than half the year under 3%. Of course, home lending costs have been rising ahead of the Federal Reserve's decision to raise rates for the first time since 2018. Um, and while the Fed's uh, quarter point move didn't affect Freddie Mac's uh, weekly average of 4.16%, which was recorded before the central bank announcement, of course, they're likely to send rates even higher than that. Yeah, you know, it's mortgage rates. So, um, you know, we've seen the mortgage rates basically drop since the, um, or just interest rates in general, drop since the um, uh Great recession, not, not even the Great Recession, the um, uh, the internet well, bubble mm-hmm. burst, um, and that's when we really saw <clears throat> mortgage rates just drop and drop and drop. Because because if you go back, you know historically in time, you know especially back in the uh, the eighties, um, like eighty two mortgage rates were like seventeen percent, and then um, you know they basically gone you know down from there, and then of course they took a uh, uh, a bigger dip um, after the, the the tech bubble burst to basically you know three and four percent, and it's weird how people settle in mm-hmm. to uh, you know these low mortgage rates three four percent when really historically they've they've averaged about double that. Yeah, yeah. And you know it's just going to be interesting when things start to go up. You know, how people react. Earlier we were talking about how we have a, a lot of complex systems in our country, a lot of complex financial systems. This is another one: the Federal Reserve. You know, uh, the fact that banks borrow from each other at different rates, then, of course, I guess that's what... what, what, uh, Economies of scale. Yeah, so that's true. It's it's a little different, but, um, you know, these, these, you know, mortgage rates that we've had uh, for so long, you know, we're going to have to get used to those creeping up. That's uh, my... uh, Yeah, interest rates going to go up. That's my opinion. Mm -hmm. Anyway, thank you, D, for that news that you can use. And we all know that if we left you with that... That would be enough, but we got to give you more. We got to give you what you yearn for, and that is the news you can't use. All right. Well, I just uh, can't stop talking about Amazon or Amazon-related topics. Um, This is a former Amazon-related topic. Here we go. The European port of Rotterdam will dismantle part of its iconic, it's called the Koningshaven Bridge, for... Mr. Jeff Bezos, the billionaire's new yacht oh, is yeah, being okay. built in uh, in a city in the Western Netherlands, and it will be too tall to pass under the bridge. So for the first time since the bridge was built, it's a historical icon for the country. For what country again? Netherlands. Oh, the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. They're going to dismantle the bridge Just so in order for... The super yacht that is too big to pass under the bridge can get through to be able to get out of where it is being built. Hey, Correct. money talks. I mean, they're not doing it just out of their uh, the kindness of their heart. I'm sure Mr. Bezos oh, gave yeah. them a little uh, Skrilla 
mm. cheddar, the mm. narrow mm-hmm. money, mm-hmm. you know, to to yes. dismantle that bridge. You're not doing it for free. Correct. Yeah, you are well, right. That's yeah. just. And what do you need a 417 foot long yacht for? Like why? Like why? <sighs> it's it's because you can. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you just got money to spend, and you don't know what to do with it. How about you do what your what your ex wife is doing? Uh, Mackenzie Scott is just giving it away she just gave 400 million dollars to uh uh habitat for humanity there you go it still has like 39 billion dollars left oh by the gosh. way that she's giving away oh my goodness so yeah. um come on know, jeff i know what you doing you know do the right thing he, i mean he you know he does oh yeah i give forgot a, he, he does he's give going away to money. space that's he right does give he, away flew, money, he flew but, to space you know it's just he's letting people just, take those rocket I mean, ship hey, rides those, those midlife crisis billionaires man they just gotta you know they got to uh spend that money oh well Anyway, what else you got? Okay, a California company <laughs> unveiled a vending machine that uses robotics to make pizzas in about three minutes. Mm. So the company is called Piestro. It unveiled a pizza machine that builds basically pies to the specifications of the customers. You select your crust, the sauce, the cheese, and the toppings. The machine has a large window so customers can watch their pizzas being built before they go into a special oven that cooks them in just two Minutes. The entire process takes just three minutes. That's good. You know what? If I was, if I, I guess you know, you know, I'm you know going through a midlife crisis, you know, my myself, but I don't have the money that Bezos does. And maybe mm. if I was a billionaire, you know, instead of that Harley Davidson that that most people buy or um, right. whatever they do during their midlife crisis, you know, maybe I would buy and get me a yacht. So you know, there you go. Okay. But the pizzas. So you know, you can make a pizza in a couple of minutes. There. There you go. Um, there yes. you go. That's uh. Robots taking over the world. They are taking over. I'm telling. I tell you what. Um, you know they're going to be de- making the pizzas, delivering the pizzas. Remember, Domino's had that that self driving yes, delivery mm-hmm. oven yep. that just drives around. Yeah. Um. Hey, wow. You're right. Automation. Taking That's, over. Uh, taking mm-hmm. over the world. All right. We got time for one more. Hey, what do women do for their midlife crisis? Um. Um. I don't know. Go crazy. No, they don't. They don't. <laughs> they don't have to go out and buy. These yachts or these oh, Harley Davidsons or, you know, anything uh, like that. I, I told just, you. No, I told you I what just, they do. I know. I ignored it. There specifically for a reason. All right. One more. Okay. Let's look at some Guinness World Records. Your favorite. So a pair of Ohio men broke a Guinness World Record by, oh God, you're going to like this one, popping 10 balloons between their bodies in okay. 15.25 seconds. <laughs> That's not okay. I'm, Gentleman I'm, named David Rush. I'm so tired of these fake world records. Who has, wants to do that? Why? Has not broke, the world's fastest man, the quickest mile, jumped the highest. Um, you know, did the New York Times crossword puzzle in record time? You know, yeah. But it has to be. You know, I did the New York Times crossword puzzle while hopping on a pogo stick with one arm tied behind my back. That would be kind of cool Nobody to see, though, right? I, mean, I don't know. No, That's a feat. Be ca- Number one, wow. Your uh, bar for entertainment value is very low if that would be entertaining for you to see. Apparently so, yeah. Jeez. That's a feat. Popping it's an accomplishment. What popping balloons between what between your legs on between, your, between your butt? Between two, two men, between their bodies, yeah. Oh, so it's just squeeze oh, the balloons in wow. between them. You can't top that. Pop. You cannot top that. That was one of your best news. You can't use stories because no one can use that. Anyway, we all know what that music means. It means we've come to the end of the show. I want to thank everyone for listening. Have a great week and take it easy on this Sunday. Thank you for listening to the Marcus Warren Show. 
For more information or to request your retirement toolkit, contact Marcus at 502-339-8255 or visit his website at talktomarcus.com. Warren Wealth Management and Tax Planning and WGTK are not affiliated. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendations to buy or sell any financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested.